Welcome to Macintosh and Mod Haven't Seen What, the podcast where we make each other watch movies we should have already seen. I'm Diana, aka Mod. And I'm David, aka Macintosh. And this week we are watching Vegas Vacation. In the fourth outing for the vacation franchise, the Griswolds have to survive Vegas fever when they go to Las Vegas for a fun family vacation. Oh, I said my expectations were that it would feature the Griswold family and they would go to Vegas. Those things occurred. <laughs> I gotta say this, though. I saw this movie in theaters when I was, like, 10, mm-hmm. because this is a PG movie. Okay. I enjoyed it about as much as I did then, which is to say, not like the most amazing movie I've ever seen, but it has fun jokes and bits it that does. are entertaining. It does. I am pleasantly surprised by this movie. It's better than the other ones. I think. Just, like, slightly? Like, it's not great. No. At all. But it's really because they got the kids right. Oh, yeah. Like, they actually wrote the kids' stories that made sense, and the kids weren't afterthoughts. They're a very active part of this movie. And you can't say that about the other ones. Yeah, they intentionally put them in... And, and made them a part of this. Mm-hmm. And it makes for a better dynamic. Yep. Now, <laughs> our opinion on this is not shared by most people. The budget for this movie was $25 million. Mm-hmm. And it made about $36 million. Okay, so nobody went to go see this. I mean, if they did, they did not say very good things, including critics. And I'm going to give you a smattering. James Berardinelli of Real Views said, Chase, like his vacation movies, are things of the past. This is a series that should have died with the 80s. Instead, inexplicably, it has limped on into the 90s. Ken Fox of TV Guide Magazine said, Chase is a veritable black hole of mirthlessness who sucks every ounce of fun out of what might otherwise be a fairly diverting comedy. And Mick LaSalle of the San Francisco Chronicle said, Why, if Chase is such a funny guy, does he make such unfunny movies? (laughs) I mean, they're not wrong. Well, but they are wrong. Okay, but those last few really focused on Chevy. Like, it was really about him. And honestly, he's the weak link in this film. He really is. He's not funny. And part of that is because they're trying to play the same notes with him. And we've been with this character. Okay, so the first one came out in 1983, and it's 97 now. Yeah. It's been 13 years. That's a lot. A lot happened between that first one and that last one. Like, a ton of shit worldwide. Well, and a ton of shit to Chevy Chase. Yeah, so basically, he's just trying to get away with the same shit, and it's just not funny. It wasn't terribly funny before, and it's not funny now. If they really wanted to make this movie better, because honestly, if they didn't have the kids, this movie's garbage. Oh, yeah. They should have had him being so worried about the kids and his wife being in the city. That would have been funny and given him a different tone to play. And it could have played off on the whole like, the kids are getting so old and they're about to leave and I barely recognize them, that whole thing. And then, oh, we have this opportunity to go to Vegas and like 
Ellen says, well, let's take the kids with us and we can make it a family trip. Well, I don't know if that's the best place to take the kids. And like Ellen's like, it'll be fine. It'll be great. There'll be plenty of stuff for the kids. And it just turns into a mess because the kids are going out being rebellious and gambling and dancing and doing things they shouldn't be doing at this age. And he is panicking about it, trying to stop it all. I mean, on the flip side, I, I enjoy the turnabout as fair play of Clark winding up in massive debt and cousin Eddie having to bail him out. Eddie, I've gambled away more money than you'll ever understand. Try me. Mm. $22,600. Oh, God! Oh, God! Oh, my God! Oh, God! <laughs> Eddie! Oh, oh, my God! Please, please. <clears throat> I think that's funny. But like who like who cares? Yeah. It's really just more like you've been a smug asshole for four movies, so here's your comeuppance. Well, I would say three to three and a half. Christmas vacation, he's not as smug an asshole. No, they toned him down a little bit, but he's still gross. But they hit that balance for that one movie mm-hmm. to where the I want the perfect Christmas, damn it. Yeah. Like that that tone, had he been able to play that through the other three movies, mm-hmm. would have been exactly what we needed. It would have been better. Let's talk about our writing. Cool. First of all, this movie is PG. Yeah. It's a little strange. It's a little strange. I do find myself asking the question, would this movie be better if we leaned into maybe a PG-13? Probably, because they could have made some of the jokes that they wanted to play. They could have gone to the shows. Yeah. Because they did it in Europe, and it was funny, so they they could have done the same thing again. I think what would have been funnier is they go to the shows, and Clark has toned that down now, but Rusty's losing it over the shows, and then Clark's like, stop it. We're in Las Vegas. I thought we had to talk about this, son. <laughs> Like, again, it would have been a nice callback to Euro. And again, they should have done a better job with the Christy Brinkley. I mean, it's a fun cameo. It it is a fun cameo. It's cute, but it's still bad. (laughs) We have two writers for this movie. First is Elisa Bell doing the story and screenplay. She also wrote Little Black Book and then the following television movies. Treacherous Crossing, Dancing with Danger, The Surrogate. Jitters, Sex and Mrs. X, Behind the Camera, The Unauthorized Story of Three's Company, True Confessions of a Hollywood Starlet, and Killer Hair. I remember watching the real story behind Three's Company. (laughs) I, I distinctly remember watching that. I found it fascinating. And we have Bob Doucet. This is his only writing credit. He's mostly an editor, including movies like The Adventures of Huck Finn, The Mummy, The Mummy Mm -hmm. Returns, Van Helsing, 2014's Godzilla, San Andreas, Rampage, Godzilla King of the Monsters, and starting with Looper, all of Ryan Johnson's movies. Interesting. He is the editor for that, Last Jedi, and Knives Out. Weird foray into movie writing. I totally see that because you can craft an entire movie in, in the edit bay. Like. That's where a lot of movies actually get made. Oh, I agree. I think so, it's just more, why Vegas vacation? Because he was willing to do it. 
Probably. And there wasn't any trivia on this, but I bet you it was, hey, somebody needs to rewrite the script. Right, right. We we shot a bunch of stuff. Make it into a thing. <laughs> like, that's okay. And like, right place, right time, right price. That can work too. Like, a lot of people get their start just because they happen to be there. What do you think of the writing? The story's not very good. So that's not great. But I do really like how they wrote the kids. Because that saves this whole movie. If you didn't have that, this movie's just pure garbage. It's not even funny. Ellen's pretty entertaining as well. Ellen does pretty good. I do I do enjoy her lusting after Wayne Newton because I just find that <laughs> funny. And and partly because there's nothing about Wayne Newton that I find attractive. So I, I just I find it entertaining. I think with respect to Clark, they dumbed him down too much. Like in some of the other movies... It's almost like they wanted to make him both a horn dog and like this weirdly high strung guy. Mm-hmm. And in this movie, there's no high strungness whatsoever. Yeah, which is why I feel like they should have pivoted to him being overprotective of the children. Yeah, I, it, and it also could just be Chevy phoning it at the fuck in because who the fuck knows? Yeah, he could have just been like, I'm here for my paycheck. I don't care what happens. Or he could have been super jealous and overprotective about Ellen with her infatuation with Wayne Newton. Because he's kind of oblivious to it. Oh, he's too busy losing $25,000 at gambling tables. Yeah. So it's kind of like, well, you could have, like, that would have worked better. On to our director, Stephen Kessler. He really only has one notable credit, which is the movie called The Independent. It had a bunch of people in it. In like the early 2000s. Yeah, so that means nothing to me. He has done nothing since. Cool. I mean, this movie is thoroughly unremarkable in how it's styled or directed. Yeah, there's nothing interesting about like the directing. It's who cares? <laughs> like, it's one, this is one of those situations where if this movie goes bad, you are going to get blamed for it. Mm-hmm. If it goes good, you might be able to build a career off of it. Yeah. And clearly, it did not go well. It didn't make enough money to make it worth it. Speaking of that, our cast, Chevy Chase as Clark Griswold. I mean, we've already talked about this a little bit. He is present in the film. (laughs) Honestly, that's debatable. I don't know if he's always that present. I just like, I. he's just not even interesting, like in a bad way. He has moments, like the scene at the Kino thing. Yeah. What did he say? I think he said take the ticket. He said take the ticket? I think he did. That's like, that's vintage Clark Griswold. Yeah. That's Clark Griswold we know. Yeah, that felt like the first two that we watched. But the rest of this is just like, whatever. He's already a low energy performer. Like, that's where his comedy style comes from. Mm Mm-hmm. So when you add on top of that, that he might not really care about what he's doing, it just makes it that much worse. Yeah. He has this really particular lane, and if he's not buying into it, it's going to be bad. We have Beverly D'Angelo as Ellen Griswold. She's better this time around, but like her whole story is, I think this guy is hot. That's that's what I find interesting. Yeah. And like the thing I liked about her in the second one in Euro was that like she was kind of a horn dog for Clark. And it was like, 
we didn't get any of that here. Like we see her being a horn dog for Wayne Newton, but like what would have been funny is that like she gets all hot and bothered over him and then she just pounces on Clark. And he's like, What's happening? What's going on? And then he like I think it would be really funny if he thinks like she just finds him that attractive and then he realizes that, oh no, like it's Wayne Newton and then like she's really thinking about him. That would have been a funnier dynamic to play with with Clark because he's so like he's a little bit crazy and neurotic and that would have been a better like lane to play in with him. Well, also, I think like this comes through and just I think bad storytelling and writing. Mm -hmm. There's a version of what was filmed where she is starstruck by Wayne Newton. Yes. And thinks he was super hot, but mostly is just like, you're fascinating. And then it's like, oh, of course I'll come talk to you. And then she's oblivious until she like gets invited to the ranch and goes out and is like, oh no, oh no. And like, there's a part of that scene that felt like that, but then they leaned back into her being like, I hate you, Clark. Yeah. And it was like, no, no, the bit is I have to get away from Wayne Newton now. Yeah. And finally, in our list of regulars, Randy Quaid as Cousin Eddie. Gross. Really? He's horrible. I liked Cousin Eddie. He's just annoying. I don't think he's that annoying. <laughs> I could have cared less when he was on the screen. Wow. He's, he's just like, I just could not care less about him. He doesn't add anything to this story. And he's like, as a performer, he's doing a bad job this time around. Like, I don't think Randy Quaid is trying. Oh, jeez. I I found it completely the opposite. I was I was looking at that going, wow, he's actually giving something and like doing a character. Nope. I didn't see anything from him. Well, let's get to the two that you are gonna enjoy. First up, Ethan Embry as Rusty Griswold. I love Ethan Embry with like all my heart. You've heard us talk about him on Can't Hardly Wait. Of course. Before this, he was in Dutch Empire Records and That Thing You Do. Mm -hmm. Then right after this came Can't Hardly Wait, Sweet Home Alabama, Harold and Kumar Go to White Castle, Brotherhood, Once Upon a Time, Grace and Frankie, and Sneaky Pete. I I just, I love him so much. Oh, he's amazing. He's precious, and he's super cute in this one. Like, he just plays a teenager really well. He is doing something in between Can't Hardly Wait character and mm -hmm. Mark with a C. Yeah. Because he's got that goofy look on his face. But then he's an earnest teenager at the same time. It's it's that in-between thing of being a kid and a teenager. Like, well, this is awesome. And like, I'm too cool for this. It, he, go, he plays back and forth with that really, really well. And it's really fun to watch. And then does a really good job at, like, buying into the Nick Papa Giorgio bit. Oh, he's just like, okay, cool. Yeah, totally. Uh-huh. Uh -huh. yeah. Girls? <laughs> yes. Clothes? Yes, Fancy? Please. What the hell? And then, like... You're out of money? Yeah, having an entourage is really expensive. What? <laughs> uh, he is so much fun in this movie. He really is. And then, as if that wasn't enough, Marisol Nichols as Audrey Griswold. Also talked about her in Can't Hardly Wait, and we talk about her almost every week on our Riverdale podcast, The Doghouse. Talk is generous because mostly we just complain about how annoying she is and we don't like her. <laughs> This was actually her first major film role. 
That makes sense. After this, she did Scream 2, Can't Hardly Wait, Mafia, Bowfinger, Resurrection Boulevard, Delta Farce, 24, GCB, Teen Wolf on 2015, Riverdale, Mm -hmm. and she will be in an upcoming untitled Saw project. Oh, yeah, because Chris Rock is rebooting the Saw franchise. Yeah. Which I'm interested in. She's fine. She's doing a much better job of acting here than she ever has on Riverdale. So that's to her credit. I particularly enjoy the sort of jadedness that she just automatically has around them. Yes. Like, even more so than Dana Barron in the original one. Yes. Who I think had that. But this is just amped up so much more. And she does such a great job of just not buying any of Clark's bullshit. Yes, she's very jaded. She does not care what they have to say to her. She's just, she's not interested at all. And then, you know, decides she might want to go dance for money, which no shame. No, like, like the ladies tell you, like, you better do it now when you're young and you don't care. It's like, yeah. And then we have Arpons, Miriam Flynn as Cousin Catherine. Mm -hmm. She's appeared as Cousin Catherine in any installments that Eddie shows up in. Yep. Wayne Newton as himself. Siegfried and Roy as themselves. Wallace Shawn as Marty, the blackjack dealer. Wallace Shawn. Quite fun. Also went to elementary school with Chevy Chase. Okay. Sid Caesar as the old guy at the Kino table. Mm-hmm. If you'll recall, Imogene Coca, who played Aunt Edna in the original movie, was a regular performer with Sid Caesar. Yes. This was his last theatrical film. Yeah. And he does a pretty good job. He's a fun little character here. It's just a fun little bit. It's fine. Julia Sweeney as the Mirage Reception Clerk. Love it. <laughs> that hair. The hair is the best. Christy Brinkley as Woman in Ferrari. Mm-hmm. Juliet Brewer as Cousin Ruby Sue. You may also remember her as Marianne in The Little Rascals. John Finnegan as the Hoover Dam Guide. He was a longtime actor who appeared in The Natural and tons of Columbo. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Maria China as the Mirage Cashier. The cool thing about her, she started as a showgirl in Vegas and then was a longtime assistant to Siegfried and Roy on stage. Okay. So she just gets put in as a Vegas personality. I like it. Bud Eakins as security at O'Shea's. He was a longtime stuntman who has performed some of the most iconic moments in film, including Great Escape, Bullet, Blues Brothers, and Diamonds Are Forever. Oh, okay. Yeah. Nice little callback to our Bond films. Jerry Weintraub as Jilly. I believe that is the guy who takes Rusty under his wing for Nick Papagiorgio. That makes sense. He's the producer of this movie and was a legendary Hollywood producer, including such hits as Diner, the Karate Kid series, the Ocean's Eleven series, Behind the Candelabra, and most recently Westworld before he passed away. Okay, so he plays in the Vegas world. Like, that's one of his things. That's one of his things, but also just like he was a notable guy and well-loved in Hollywood. Yeah. Larry Hankin as the preacher. You would know him as we talked about him from Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, Old Joe on Breaking Bad, and Mr. Heckles on Friends. Yep, he's great. Jeffrey Donovan as a hotel employee. He went on to be the lead in Burn Notice for seven seasons. Okay. And finally, as the fake ID salesman who is impersonating Frank Sinatra, Mm -hmm. Toby Huss. 
You would know him for doing the voices of Khan and Cotton on King of the Hill and had a big role in Halt and Catch Fire recently. Yeah. So recognizable, that guy. Mm-hmm. Lots of Arpons in all of these movies. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's the type of movie you throw in random people. And it's also Vegas. It is Vegas. You can't go to Vegas and not have a couple Vegas personalities or shows. Like, the second they rolled up to the Mirage, both David and I went, we've stayed at the Mirage one time a couple of years ago. We're like, it still looks like that. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Like, there are obviously things that they change, but it's like, oh, no, that's what it looks like when you roll up and you go into that lobby. Vegas is eternally unchanging in many ways. Mm -hmm. Trivia. Trivia. The living room where Wayne and Ellen have dinner is Newton's actual living room in Las Vegas. Oh, that's cool. And that was confirmed when he did his episode of MTV's Cribs a year later. Oh, okay. I like it. This movie was filmed dead in the middle of the busy season in Vegas from mid-June to late September. Why? On purpose, I assume they wanted the crowd shots. They wanted the liveliness of it all. But like, uh, that still doesn't make sense. They should have filmed it. Started, like They should have started at the very end so they could have done all those crowd shots and then had less busy time. It's just more affordable. I don't know. That's what they chose. They're dumb. Though depicted as a joke, the game War is an actual card game in casinos. Mm -hmm. And the dealer of the war game, Nick Mazzola, was also the blackjack dealer in Rain Man and appeared in the film Casino. Okay, I have not seen Casino. In the original draft of the script, the Griswolds stay at the Wally World Hotel and Casino, mm. with Roy Wally being a part of the script. Gotta say, that would have been fun. That would have been great. I'm fine that they decided to go with the actual Vegas hotels. Yeah. But like, there's a part of me that was like, oh, having the Wally World Casino... Could be way too much fun to pass up. And early on, separately from this entire concept, Chevy had pitched his own idea for a fourth movie, mm -hmm. Swiss Family Griswold, <laughs> where they would be stranded, stranded. on a desert island. Could, that could be fun. <laughs> like, that could be fun. I know. Especially him imagining the lady in the Ferrari, the convertible. <laughs> that would have been hilarious. Had he been invested in writing that script, I feel like he would have given more in his performance. Probably. This is a money grab. This is a total money grab. Mm -hmm. Clark utters the line, it's all part of the act, Rusty. A reference back to the Dodge City scene from the original film. The directions that Julia Sweeney gives at the Mirage are 100% accurate. I will say, having stayed there, you are very, very far away from the elevators. It is an epic journey to get from how you get to your room to any exit at all this is one of the last films where you can see the sands hotel and casino where the rat pack hung out in vegas mm -hmm. shortly thereafter it was demolished yep. and finally during the first limo drive into vegas every plot point of the movie gets foreshadowed yeah <laughs> I, I see that yeah, I mean, yeah, I didn't thought about that, but they're right, yeah. We see a tour for the Grand Canyon. We see a sign for Club Areola. We see Wayne Newton. There's your movie. I, I'm cool with that. It's fine. Or sorry, not the Grand Canyon. We see an ad for Winnicar. Yeah. So we have the plot laid out for us right there, which tells you 
kind of how dumb and simple the script was for this movie. But this is the type of movie where the script doesn't have to be complicated, but you have to have a solid story. You need a solid story. And then you needed Chevy to be brought into that room and go, punch everything up. Make it funny. Well, like Euro Trip, it's like, okay, we're going to put you in these scenarios and this is what's going to be funny and we're going to make that happen and then you can play with it. Exactly. Which is what they, that's what they did in Euro Vacation. I know. Which made it pretty good. All right, let's do ratings. Okay, what's a rating system? How many fake IDs are you going to give this movie? Fake IDs. Well, it's your movie, so you have to go first. That is true. I was pleasantly surprised by this movie Mm -hmm. because I remember liking it that I remember it being shat upon. I'm going to go two and a half. It's not like the greatest movie I've ever seen. And I know I gave Vacation a three, but that's because I think the bits work really well. It's just the whole thing doesn't work. But I'm giving this two and a half because it's not quite as funny as some of the original stuff, but it's solid. I'm giving it the same because like it's, it's better than the other three or four, whatever. I keep like, I have no concept of when this movie happens. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a two and a half. It's not, it's not horrible, but I, I probably wouldn't watch it again. But like, there are parts of it that are funny and I love Ethan Embry. So that wins. Well, there you go. Mm-hmm. Well, normally we would be done, except that there is another entry in the vacation series. There is a fifth one. Sort of. Uh, it is canonically a remake. And a sequel. And a sequel. All at the same time. I'm okay with that because the first one's crap. So maybe this one will be better. Next week, we are watching 2015's Vacation. Yeah, because we're completionists here. And we're also martyrs. Ugh. Like, I don't know why I keep signing up for this crap. We're yeah. almost done with this. Then it's Christmas. Then other fun stuff. Christmas isn't always better. <laughs> I mean, it'll be better one way or another. True. We'll be done with the Griswolds, that's for sure. So, before we get out of here, let's talk about some new movies we saw. Okay. This weekend, we saw The Lighthouse. Two lighthouse keepers try to maintain their sanity while living on a remote and mysterious New England island in the 1890s. This is a weird movie. It is a weird movie. It is a gorgeous movie. It's incredibly well executed. And it is a very well performed movie. Oh my gosh. Defoe and Pattinson are, are fabulous. Fabulous. Robert Pattinson to me has finally cemented as like, you know, he knows what the fuck he's doing and can command whatever he wants to on screen. And he just had a really great interview with Jennifer Lopez where they were talking to each other and he had the best quote in the world about method actors and he's like people only do method acting when they're playing an asshole because nobody's ever just sitting around being lovely and be like oh i'm really in character (laughs) it's which is so fucking true i so that warmed my heart you know it's funny to hear that because this movie is very presentational it is very presentational i will say this that at the end of the movie i was like i don't know what i just watched because i don't know what the point of this story was and that's okay but also, why? <laughs> there are times when leaving that open-ended makes you feel great about the movie. Because mm-hmm. you're like, I love that you didn't go for an easy answer here. Yes. This one, right near the end, it just kind of spirals. It feels like we lost some sort of connective thread. Yeah. And I don't think it would take a whole lot to give us just a nugget that we could hold on to. Mm-hmm. 
even to spin out to a conclusion of you come up with your own answer as to what happened here. Yeah, um, we just don't get much resolution on any story point. So it's very hard to know how to feel when the movie's over. Which may be very intentional, but you do have to give people enough to form a conclusion. If you don't do that, then it feels like you you do leave asking yourself, I don't understand what we just went through. Yeah, at one point in the movie, I was kind of bored. And I just kept thinking, why are the Batman and Alfred fighting? <laughs> Because we all know that Robert Pattinson is going to be the next Batman. And, you know, this is awesome. Like, he's going to do a good job. He's going to do a great job. If that movie sucks, then it won't be because of him. Absolutely not. Interestingly enough, I wouldn't call this a horror movie. Um, no, unless not. psychological horror and, you know, fucking with your brain will mess with you. It is violent and it's very sexual but never feels gratuitous. No, and it is suspenseful, but like I said, there's really no payoff to any of it. So that's frustrating. Go in expecting sort of a visual experience mm -hmm. more than a movie. I suspect this film will get some Golden Globe play. I'd be interested to see if it garners any actual Oscar buzz because of how weird it is. It's such a smaller movie as well. It might get some acting or some technical things. In a year that didn't have stronger contenders, I might also say directing, but I just don't know. I think cinematography is probably a lock. Oh, yeah. The way the movie's styled is just awesome and perfect for what the story it's telling. I, I think it's going to get blown out by some of the other things that are about to pop up with the actors because yeah. the roles are good. They're well performed, but I think the other films are going to have more impactful performances with more relatable stories. And that tends to be more what the Academy goes for. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think Damon and Bale are locks for Ford versus Ferrari just because everybody likes those two dudes and yeah. they like they do good work. Yeah. But I'll also say, I think this is a movie we're seeing. I really do. Some people aren't going to like it and it's not going to be to their taste. But I, do, I did really enjoy it. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, until next time. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening. Be sure to review and rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcast. For questions, comments, and recommendations, you can email us at macintoshandmod at gmail.com or find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Facebook.